Good morning, basketball fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the Small College Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cottrell. With more than 10 years of NCAA Division I and Division II men's basketball coaching experience, with relationships in college basketball across the nation and across all levels. Every week I work to bring you the only podcast with news, scores, highlights, and insight from men's basketball at the NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III, NAIA, NCCAA, and the USCAA levels. Combined, these levels of college basketball beyond Division I account for nearly 1,200 small colleges and universities across the country. We are here to celebrate their basketball programs, players, coaches, and history together. The Small College Basketball Podcast is a production of smallcollegebasketball.com and founder John McCarthy on a mission to unite all people with a passion for small college basketball. Welcome back, small college basketball fans. And we are now in February. We are right around the corner from March Madness. Regular seasons are beginning to wrap up. Conference tournaments approaching quickly. NAIA, NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III, NCCAA, and USCA tournaments all following soon thereafter. Continue to follow Small College Hoops on Twitter and visit smallcollegebasketball.com for updated blog posts and details of the games, teams, and players to watch as the regular season comes to a close. A couple of teams to watch as we approach March Madness in NCAA Division III, St. Joe's University in Connecticut. In NCAA Division II, keep an eye on Nova Southeastern out of Florida. What do these two teams have in common? They're undefeated heading into this week. And in this week's episode, we're going to focus on Lubbock Christian University, who unfortunately had their 19-game winning streak snapped over the weekend. We will continue our series of interviews, which we've been doing so far in 2022 with some of the best small college basketball coaches around the country. Today's guest is the head men's basketball coach at Lubbock Christian University, head coach Todd Duncan. Currently, Lubbock Christian is number one in the country, NCAA Division II men's basketball. They're 19-1 and on the year, losing their first game of the season this past weekend to Dallas Baptist in Lone Star Conference play. Coach Duncan is in his 11th season as the head coach at Lubbock Christian. He holds an overall record of 194 and 108. He's led the Chaps to three NCAA Division II national tournament appearances and a possible six opportunities. In 2021, Lubbock Christian won the Lone Star Conference Tournament Championship. This success comes on the heels of Coach Duncan leading Lubbock Christian's transition from NAIA to NCAA Division II over the last nine seasons. In 2021, Coach Duncan was named the Clarence Gaines Division II National Coach of the Year Award recipient, presented annually by CollegeInsider.com. Coach Duncan, coming off a tough outing yesterday, but thank you so much for joining us on the Small College Basketball Podcast amid what is a very busy time of year for you. So thank you very much. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm excited to, to visit with you. And uh, yeah, it's a great time of year and we're excited that we still have a lot of good things ahead of us so coach thank you so much for joining me today and uh and first if you would talk for a minute about your institution lubbock christian university and your community there in lubbock texas yeah it's been a fun community i actually grew up here uh went to coronado high school and uh familiar with lubbock just you know being around basketball you 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 know it's its own community so a lot of the coaches in the area, even the coaches at Texas Tech, Lubbock Christian, have been good friends of mine. I've uh, been blessed to be mentored by some of them and really strong junior colleges around here as well. So uh, growing up playing in Lubbock, I went away to Midland College for a couple of years, came back, finished at Texas Tech and uh, coached high school for 15 years before coming to Lubbock Christian 11 years ago. So I'm really uh, familiar with the university. We're faith-based, about 2,000 students. Um, I would like to tell kids, you know, we're kind of the best of both worlds. We we live in a nice sized community with big time college athlete athletics down the street at Texas Tech, and yet uh, we get the small town or small community feel of our campus. And 
the kids, you know, that are on our team are recognized on campus, uh, good class sizes, and uh, just a community that cares about the students and um, is invested in them, you know, is more than just uh, athletes or what have you because of our faith-based mission. And, you know, it's been a great opportunity to, to see this program go from NAI to Division Two and be a part of that transition and, and really just, uh, you know, have some success and, you know, that just uh, makes you want hungry for more. And, and that's kind of the journey we've been on each year, just trying to get a little bit better and figure out what it takes to, to win at this level. And I've just uh, been so impressed that there's not much margin at this level. And uh, I really think on almost any given night, anybody can eat, beat anyone. So uh, it's high-level basketball. A lot of the transfers, you know, trickle down to this level. And so uh, enjoying good success. Our women's team has won three of the last five national championships. I think one of those was canceled because of COVID, so it might have been four or five. And uh, my daughter plays on that team. My son's a freshman on the Texas Tech men's team. He's a red shirt, medical red shirt. He was injured earlier this season. So, uh, yeah, basketball has been uh, a big part of of my life and uh, – you know, just a lot of my relationships and in this Lubbock and West Texas area are formed through basketball. And you mentioned a little bit about your transitions. Uh, you've had great success at Lubbock Christian. You led them through the transition from NAIA to NCAA Division II uh, between 2013 and 2015, and then uh, into the Heartland Conference, and then onto the Lone Star Conference. Coach, what have you learned? Uh, that's been really important to you in maintaining your culture as well as, you know, attain a high level of success at, at Lubbock Christian through all the transitions. You've gone through a lot, but what's been like the bedrock of your program? I think the one thing that we've continually gotten better at is just making sure we recruit kids who fit not only LCU, but, you know, us as coaches, how we want to play, how, you know, what's what we value, those type things. And, uh, you know, we're in a unique city. Uh, city. We're kind of an outlier a little bit in terms of where we're located. We have good high school basketball, but typically we're going to have to go outside this area to, to, to get the players that we're going to need to be successful. Although, you know, when there is a good player from this area, we certainly try to get them. And we've had success with players from here. And I just think uh, being true to, you know, kind of what we know there's so many good coaches and players that you know I'm this guy that loves basketball so you know every time we're getting ready to scout somebody or I'm watching a game on TV you know you see something you like and just kind of coming to the understanding that you got to limit you have a limit on really what you can accomplish I heard George Carl the other day said the practice plan gets too cluttered you know and I think uh, that's just something I've learned along the way is Sometimes less is more, and I think these last few years we've we've really gained an identity in how we want to play and some of the things we do. Of course, we're we're always willing to tweak or change. There's lots of ways to get it done. So that would probably be, um, you know, that's at least the first thing that comes to mind on that. And you've navigated Lubbock Christian through multiple transitions. But over the last two years, you've been navigating them through the pandemic. What's been the bigger challenge, navigating, you know, the, the transition from NAIA to Division II, uh, Heartland Conference to Lone Star Conference, or just managing the pandemic over the last two years? Are they at all the same, or is it just, you know, like yeah. just craziness for everybody? Yeah, certainly that. That's a great question. I think – there was great enthusiasm when we were transitioning to Division Two, and a little bit of an unknown. Of course, NAI has incredibly high-level basketball. Um, you're just, you know, in some ways, because of the compliance aspect of NCAA and some of the, the different things you're dealing with, you're recruiting a little different player. I think everybody's more familiar with the NCAA brand, but from us coming from the NAI, we, we knew what kind of quality basketball we were up against every night. And then you have those two years where you're really not eligible for postseason. So you're trying to figure out, do we, you know, still trying to win, which obviously you want to do. Do we just kind of load up on some freshmen and, 
endure, you know, take our lumps and then be ready once we're eligible for postseason. And we really had a good mixture of, of guys that were currently on our roster that wanted to finish it out with us. And even though they weren't eligible for postseason, those guys really laid the foundation for, I think, where we are now. And then we were able to recruit some good freshmen. And uh, and then, you know, we get th- we get in the Heartland and we're kind of figuring our way out there. And then the next thing, you know, the, the Lone Star and Heartland are merging. And, you know, the respect we had for the Lone Star was – you know, as high as it could be. And because of where we're located between Angelo State, uh, UTPB, West Texas A&M, Eastern New Mexico, Midwestern State, I mean, we had played a lot of those schools, you know, in like our regional games, non-conference. So it really just expanded to how all these games count as conference games. And I know all the schools in the Heartland were we're joking about, you know, if we get in the conference tournament, we're going to hang a banner when we get in the Lone Star. <laughs> it was just kind of that um, awe of what are we getting into. And I think, you know, 17 schools or 16 now with Commerce will be D1 next year. But it's a uh, – it's quite a challenge. The pandemic, I think for me, my personality, just the unknown. I mean, you know, how many scouting reports can you do? And then the day before the game is canceled. And we were two hours from a game the other day that's about an eight-hour trip. And we got a call to turn around and come home. And uh, it just really makes it hard to plan. I think, uh, you know, everybody's in uncharted waters. I know, you know, we're far enough down the road, you would think we'd have it more figured out. But um, and I think hopefully we we're getting to where it's not going to really be as big an issue now. But uh, all of those things, you know, I was in our gym when, you know, the tournament was canceled and just to see, you know, the kids who are, you know, just some like we talked about with one of your players, you know, when that season ends and it's premature, regardless of the reason, man, it's just hard, you know. Even if you lose, as hard as that is, you feel like you at least went out on your terms. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was difficult. I'm I'm thankful we were able to to have a season last year, and obviously, I think our guys did a great job of um, handling the the ups and downs and the highs and lows and all the different changes and. I think the maturity of our team, right when the pandemic hit, we only lost one senior. So we had our whole team coming back. Yeah. So that whole spring and summer where people were just having to recruit on Zoom or, I mean, you know, on video and Zoom calls with recruits, we kind of had our team established. And I think uh, our guys were really hungry. And, you know, that I always said that pandemic, it really exposed who the true basketball players, if you had to go out on some concrete or, <laughs> find a way to get in the you know it it really yeah. you know you had to take some ownership of your game you know because you people weren't allowed to, to do much I'm sure up there you know the guys the the gyms were closed down the rims were getting taken off the playgrounds and uh you just really had to be creative so uh that that exposed a great love and commitment that our guys had and I really feel like we've been reaping the benefits of the work they put in even since that time yeah, what an incredible, incredible mindset to have looking at the challenges, but also being able to acknowledge the benefits that you made, you know, throughout the course of those uh, those challenges when pandemic shut up two years ago, you were preparing, like you said, in your gym for the South Central Regional. Uh, and, and last year, your team went 18 and three. You made an appearance in the Sweet 16 where you lost to West Texas A&M. Uh, it's the deepest run made in the NCAA Division II tournament by a Lubbock Christian team. Uh, you only lost four games, either postponed or canceled. So tremendous commitment, as you just mentioned, by by you and your players. But what did last year, what did last season mean to you and your team? Um, definitely, uh, definitely a year where you faced some challenges but brought everybody back. And what did you learn about your program last year? Well, I think we learned to be grateful for the opportunity just to play and uh, not to take that for granted. And we were, you know, looking back, it might seem silly now, but there was a time there when, you know, was this thing going to get canceled again like it did last year? And Mm -hmm. at any point, you know, we have another outbreak or things go south and are they shutting us down again? And so, you know, we always, you always try to emphasize with your kids that, you know, the basketball part of your life is very small. If it was on a continuum, it wouldn't be very 
uh, it'd be a small percentage of your life. So it, it needs to have, you need to understand that and have that perspective so that you can really value the time that you do have. And then I think it, that lent a different and, you know, uh, you could, they could really understand what that meant having lost that and how that affected everyone. You know, I saw it from a lot of standpoints. My daughter was a senior on the LCU team um, last year and she got her another year back because of COVID. So that was a blessing for us as a family. My son was a senior in high school, so he lost his whole senior, you know, summer getting ready for recruitment and travel and, you know, all those things. So that was a, a downer. And then I kind of saw it with my players who, you know, were navigating all that. So it was, it was an odd thing to just observe from a bunch of different angles as a father, a coach, um, you know, a parent, what have you. And, uh, you know, I think it, it was a little bit of a reset button and just, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that are out of our control and, uh, the more we can just take advantage of the time we do have and realize nothing's guaranteed. And every time you do step on this court, maximize it. And we're just fortunate to have a really mature, talented group that was hungry. Um, I don't know if you know this, but this when D2 shut down or when NCAA shut everything down, the D2 made a rule that allowed us to work with our players in the summer if they it was voluntary, if they requested it. Yeah. And so uh, in the midst of everything kind of, you know, we were in a, a pretty good spot to experience a pandemic in terms of West Texas where we really, that first summer, we were allowed to have all of our basketball camps. Our kids were able to come in and work the camps. We were able to have our open gyms. And so a lot of times, you know, would be, I thought we had some of the best pickup basketball probably in America with <laughs> Texas Tech down the street. A lot of their former players who were playing professionally, some of them even in the NBA. So every night, uh, you know, 30, 40 guys playing high-level basketball that, you know, a lot of people weren't getting the opportunity to do. So there was a silver lining. I think a lot of it was we were just fortunate, you know, a lot of things kind of happened at the same time that, that we were able to benefit from. And I've always told that, you know, the off-season is where championships are won. As trivial as that may sound, I think we really – saw that that's where we were able to make a lot of strides and and our guys were really able to get better. And last season, you mentioned uh, some of those natural rivalries earlier. Uh, last season, you split with West Texas A&M during the regular season, and you faced them in the Sweet 16 matchup to advance to uh, the Elite Eight, the, the National uh, Division II Elite Eight. And um, – West Texas A&M obviously went on to play Northwest Missouri State in the national final. They beat Lincoln Memorial in the final four on a, on a buzzer beater. Uh, I had been at Lincoln Memorial, so I watched that game. And West Texas A&M obviously very talented. But your game, uh, to get out of the South Central region, what was the emotion, what was the energy like in that building for your matchup after splitting last season in, in, in regular Lone Star Conference play? Well, it was it was it was really good, but it was not nearly as good as it could have been just because the pandemic reduced the attendance and we were, you know, basically only able to operate at about twenty five percent. Um and each fan base was limited to maybe a hundred tickets. So wow. rather than having what you would hope would be just a, a crazy atmosphere, we were it was a lot less subdued or more subdued than the two regular season games where, you know, the, the house was packed and there was a lot of energy and excitement. So I thought both teams really played well. I mean, we, we shot it at a high level. We didn't have many turnovers. We just, uh, they were just better that night. They, they shot it better. They, they had a couple of guys that just really were special that night. And obviously they're special their whole careers for those guys. And, you know, I was, it was a night where we left the floor just saying they played better than us, as disappointed as we were. Um, you know, they they definitely uh, were the better team that night. But, yeah, we're looking forward to this year. Hopefully uh, the opportunity is still there that maybe if we can finish strong to host again. Um, you know, we still got a lot of work to do to get to that point. But, if you know, if that could happen when things are, are more normal, that would be nice to, to, to experience that for sure. <laughs> 
I think more normalcy across the board would be appreciated by, by everybody as we, uh, as we keep going. But, but you, have, you do have West Texas A&M coming up. Uh, you got them coming up this week, actually. And um, looking back at, at the Dallas Baptist game, obviously there's a game in between. But how do you prepare your team? How do you bounce back after you know, this weekend? And we talked off the air a little bit. You know, obviously, Dallas Baptist played very well. You guys played pretty well. But how do you get your, your mindset back to where it needs to be going into a big week? Well, we had kind of, you know, the thought of going undefeated as great as it is, at some point we're just like, you know, we, we can lose a game. Let's just make sure we're continuing to get better at the things that um, are going to help us win, you know, ultimately down the road. And I think uh, we preached to our guys kind of that goldfish mentality, you know, 50-second <laughs> memory or whatever that's kind of, popular right now and I think it's cliche in a way and I think there's two things one you kind of have to move on because the games are coming and you don't have really time to feel sorry for yourself the other part of it is you can't just shrug off losing and expect to get better so we have to really just evaluate that game and and there's plenty on that video to to say hey if if we don't get better in these areas you know we're gonna we're gonna be losing again so um, you know we just want to play our best, and sometimes the other team plays better, and you just have to tip your hat. But, you know, I think we're good enough that if we play at a high level, then, you know, we can win, you know, more than our share of games. Uh, WT's really good, but, you know, we can't get our caught looking too far ahead or we'll we'll end up uh, letting Dallas Baptist beat us twice, as the saying goes. We have to um, get our minds back right and – the disappointment in that locker room was pretty palpable. Those guys, uh, you know, when you're – there's a little bit of pressure that comes with it, you know, and uh, that's all right. I think you got to embrace that. The, You know, it's a pleasure to get to be in February, as you said, and playing, vi- you know, uh, high-level basketball and games that are meaningful. And we all kind of get to that point in the year where people start making their plans for the spring break and, <laughs> and the next season, and I just – you know, I just we gotta we gotta guard against that, and you know we've got a team that's locked in and focused. So I, I really don't even have to fight that at all. They're they're excited about what's ahead of us. Disappointed, but you know sometimes you can learn something from a loss that might prevent one down the line if we can you know approach it the right way. Yeah, and we're talking about Dallas Baptist. We're talking about West Texas A and M, but in the Lone Star Conference, you know St. Mary's is very good. Arkansas, Fort Smith, very good. Uh, Texas A&M Commerce, very good. Talk for a moment about how strong the Lone Star Conference is. I think, you know, there's a perception around Division II basketball. It's not as good, you know, it's not as high level. And that's one thing we're trying to shine a light on here in the podcast is like it is really – there are really talented players and coaches throughout oh, the country. And, and, man, the Lone Star Conference is, is right up there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I I think, you know, King, Kingsville, uh, UT Tyler's doing really well. Obviously, St. Ed's, you may have mentioned, Angelo State, Midwestern State. Um, some of these schools that are, you know, they're, you know, if I look too far ahead on the schedule, I'll, I'll make myself ill. I have to <laughs> just really get locked in on the next game because uh, you start looking at all these kids where they've transferred from. There's really good coaching in this league and, and like you said, Division Two basketball, I think, uh, you know, there's obviously the Power Five, but I think, you know, there are a lot of Division Twos. That team last year um, that won it all for, in, you know, Northwest Missouri State, I mean, that might have been a Sweet 16 team in the Division One tournament. I mean, they oh, were – my goodness. They were incredible. And I know how good WT was, you know, and that's a team in our league that makes it to the final and uh, – that's the challenge with the regional is, you know, there are a lot of good teams that no one that never get to experience that elite eight. Cause you're battling each other in the conference, you're battling each other in the conference tournament. And then you got to see each other again in a regional. So, you know, it's quite a, it's quite a task. And uh, I think it prepares us, you know, I do think there's a value in night in night out, just being in these battles. Cause you kind of get, um, you know, emboldened or strengthened or whatever the the phrase might be just to, um, 
you know, win these close games. We always say, and Andre Cook at St. Ed's, and I was joke, we could tie the, put the score at 65, five minutes on the clock, and let's play. Because that's yeah. usually kind of what it comes down to. And uh, so you got to win the close games. You got to execute down the stretch. Um, you know, something we, we've done pretty well up until um, the other day. But, uh, yeah, it's just anybody on any given night, um, I really think our league is is one of the best, if not the best, in the country. We obviously play some regional games and a few teams from other conferences. So, you know, I'm impressed with the RMAC. We played Western Washington this year is really good. We played Rollins from Florida, who's, you know, really good and uh, well-coached. Yeah. It's just high-level basketball. And, uh, you know, everyone who's, who's you know, in – embedded into small college world, I think really recognizes that. And, and uh, yeah, I, I can't really emphasize how good this Lone Star <laughs> is. And, you know, a lot of times a kid will, when we're recruiting, you know, I'm like, have you been to a division two game before? Yeah. Cause you know, they may, until they've been and they see the, the level of talent, the size, you know, a lot of these kids are junior seniors, et cetera. You know, they really don't understand the quality of, of athlete and player and, and size that's on the court. No, absolutely. And, and you mentioned it previously, but one thing that John McCarthy and I and, and Wayne Cavadi kind of lament about on the podcast every year is, is that in NCAA Division II, first of all, you have the eight regions. And the right. eight best teams in those regions, like there's no 116 game. There's no, there's no 500 team. There's no 14 win team sneaking in. Uh, you know, you, you've got, you know, a one, a one eight game is typically two 20 plus win teams in the first round of the tournament. And so some of the best teams in the country never get out of the first 64. I mean, that's just, that's just math. Exactly. And those, you know, and if you're the one seed you're hosting most likely and, uh, you know, we've had it twice. We were the eight seed in one regional and, and upset the number one. Um, we were the number one seed in our conference tournament last year, and we're upset. Yeah. Um, it can uh, – yeah, it, it it's scary. You can – you know, like we have this win streak going, and yet every game we're telling our guys, you know, and they and they know it, but you just feel like you're a broken record, like, you know, we have to show up and be ready to compete. There's no just showing up to the play. You got to show up right. and win. And uh, yeah, you guys do a great job of promoting that, and and uh, we're we're grateful for that because the level of basketball is is definitely high level. Oh, it's it's so good. It's so good. So let's talk about let's talk about y- your team this year. Uh, l- you know, coming off last season, Parker Hicks is named Player of the Year in the Lone Star Conference. You uh, you had Lloyd Daniels, Cameron Copley, Rowan McKenzie, all named to uh, Lone Star Conference uh, all-team performers. Amir Muhammad was the Lone Star Conference Defensive Player of the Year, and you've got them all back. L- like, what were the expectations? You talked about it a little bit. What, what were the expectations, you know, when not so much in the offseason, but when it finally when push finally came to shove, you know, in October 2021, like, what were the expectations in the locker room, you know, among, among those players and, and among your staff? Well, I think, you know, we were, we were not wanting to let an opportunity pass us by, you know, that you just say, you know, when you look around this locker room, you see a lot of high-level guys, a lot of guys who are committed to winning, committed to LCU, committed to each other. And just, uh, you know, not to sound too corny, but, I mean, we all love each other. You know, this journey is going to end eventually. And that's going to be sad regardless of how it ends. But let's let's try to make it last as long as we can. Let's invest as much as we can. And, uh, you know, we got close enough last year to, to I guess, a little bit of, I don't know, if satisfaction of having a good year, but a lot of disappointment from how it ended, even though, you know, the respect we have for WT and how well they played and the challenge they were to, to win, um, is just try, let's build on that, you know, let's try to make the next step. And, and, you know, sometimes it's easy when you're not good to try to make improvement, but when you're, you're really good and you're trying to just improve incremental incrementally, um, you know, the effort has to increase and, 
it may be even take longer to see the progress. So you really have to mentally be committed to the process and, and just everything that goes into having a special year. And, and then at the end of the day, there are a lot of things that are out of your control, whether it's injuries, COVID, um, a bounce of the ball, a whistle, et cetera. So let's just put ourselves in the best position. And we always tell our guys, we control the outcome of the game. Let's just make sure we're putting in the work and, and doing the prep that we need to do to, to ensure that we don't have those regrets when it's all said and done. Yeah. And, and, and you entered this year with all those returners, with that experience, with that mindset picked uh, pre preseason division two, you're in the top 10. Uh, you're also picked to win the Lone Star conference and the coaches preseason poll. How did you manage those expectations? You know, you talked about the process, had the, ki- had the kids bought in, you know, when they saw those numbers, you know, next to Lubbock Christian? I think deep down there was a sense of, you know, we're, um, we're I guess you're, you're proud or excited about it, and yet you know it means nothing if that <laughs> makes yeah. sense because really yeah. it's what happens at the end of the year. And sometimes, you know, if you're not picked to finish at the top or, you know, you kind of can get a chip on your shoulder or, or just go at it from that perspective. So we just talked about like, we got to have our own edge. We've got to, we've got to understand that all these things are nice. A lot of them are based on last year. This is a new season. And, uh, you know, in some ways we, we haven't done anything yet. You know, we have the potential to, which is great, but ultimately we'll be judged and we'll evaluate it on what we do not versus what they think we might can do. So there's a little bit of pressure that comes with that, but I would certainly, rather have that and have expectations and standards that are, um, you know, bringing out the best in you than uh, just, you know, half-hearted expectations or whatever. So rarely are we going to play a game where, you know, we're not um, – never are we going to play a game where we're not preparing to win the game. And and every year, you know, feeling like if we put our best basketball on the floor, then we're capable as, you know, as anybody of, of advancing. And I'm sure a lot of coaches feel that way. And I think that's how you should feel. You should you should uh, start with what's the best we can do. Well, that's going to be our goal. And it starts in, you know, like we said, in the off season and through the preseason. And, you know, we just, you know, our first out of the bat, our first three games are Regis, Colorado School of Mines, and West Texas A&M. Yeah. So we're like, you know, this thing can get derailed pretty quick. Or, you know, it's a great opportunity to see if, you know, we're legit too. So, you know, it's uh, – a We've always been a school, even when we transitioned, we just said, let's go find the best people we can play. Let's see what, you know, the standard is for the highest level in division two. And, and then we'll, you know, what we're up against and what we need to do to get there. So, you know, growing up in Lubbock and following Lubbock Christian university, you know, knowing their coaches and players that were here before me, you know, I'm just excited that we can, um, and, you know, with West Texas A&M doing well, Texas tech basketball down the street, it's just fun. South Plains College, junior college, you know, 20 minutes away that we can, you know, kind of hold up our end of the bargain in West Texas as, as being one of the top teams in the country. Yeah, and top teams in the country, Coach, you've got one of the best players in the country, uh, All-American Parker Hicks. He is a hugely important piece of your puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's averaging 17 points per game, eight rebounds per game. From behind the three-point line, he's shooting 41% on the year. He's also named preseason player of the year in the Lone Star Conference. So what is Parker Hicks? What does he mean to your team? Well, he's a special person, a special leader. He's just one of those guys, you you know, in some ways almost seem like an extension of the coaching staff when he's in our office and we're talking. You just, you know, he's just a very mature young man who – you know, takes his basketball seriously. He he wants to to win. He wants to be coached. He wants to be a coach one day. So he's seeing it through his dad's a coach. So he's just seeing it, you know, in a lot of ways like a coach does. And yet he's got the talent and the size and the work ethic to to be really special. And he's he's really good in the low post. He's can pick and pop. He can space the floor. He could bring it up and get us into our offense. He's just a special, special, special player that, you know, we're all aware that we're very blessed to, to have the privilege to coach. And that's another reason, you know, that we're, 
working as hard as we can so that he and Lloyd and Zach Step, one of our other seniors, can can finish their career, you know, on a high note. And we just want to do right by them because we recognize how special they are. And you just mentioned Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Daniels, and his play has really improved throughout the course of the season. Over the last four games, Daniels averaging more than 20 points per game. He had 21 over the weekend, also averages five assists per game, and he's shooting 50% from the three-point line. In that backcourt, Hicks, Daniels, they fit really well together. Talk about their chemistry. Yeah, they're kind of an ideal combination. Lloyd's a little bit longer um, guard, and, uh, you know, he can post up. He can bring up the ball. Um, his shooting coming – when we recruited him, that was the one knock against him, and yet he, he's he's as uncanny – um, ability to just get the ball in the in the basket. He's, you know, what's off balance or maybe would look like a bad shot for someone else for him is just right in his wheelhouse. He's just comfortable, just uh, finding angles. Um, he's just great with putting English on the ball, or he just finds a way in there. It's it's really there's no one that I really know how to to compare him to, and then. You know, he's also unselfish. He just wants to win. He's an everyday guy. He's He loves basketball. He, uh, you know, when the portal opened up, you know, he had an opportunity where he could have gone some places and played Division One basketball, but he knew that this team had a chance to be special. And, you know, he was very loyal to us as coaches and coming back. And, you know, we just, uh, you know, you're just certain kids you get to coach in your career similar to what I mentioned with Parker and we've had a bunch through the years but you know it's it's not a guy that you really go and replace you don't find too many Lloyd Daniels out there and uh we knew he'd be good we were really excited when we got him but he's he's been uh he's been better than we thought he'd be and and he's just a guy that we depend on I mean he just has a knack he he took the last shot the other the other night and it was in and out to win and He's just a guy you want the ball in his hand when the game's on the line. You just feel like he's going to figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah, and you've got some other returners as well. Amir Muhammad, 15 points per game, five rebounds per game. Uh, Rowan McKenzie, 12 points per game, five rebounds per game. Ta- they're playing They're playing a lot of minutes and contributing, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good numbers consistently for you throughout the year. Talk about those two, if you would. And I know there's a couple others you mentioned, Zach Stepp. Yes. Uh, well, Amir is probably the most improved player in our league. He uh, is super athletic. His skill is starting to catch up to his athleticism. And uh, his ability to guard the ball is, is just – he has an ability that, you know, he can create his own shot. I think the other night against Angelo State, he had 28 points in the second half in overtime. Um, you know, just a guy that when everything breaks down can, can get still get you a pretty good look. And, uh, you know, last year he was coming off the bench for us. And uh, with Cameron's injury, you know, that provided an opportunity for him to, to start. And he's really been starting from day one. And, and he's just a d- dynamic athlete who, um, you know, can get to the basket. He's a great free throw shooter. And then, you know, his shooting has continued to improve. So that's, you know, that's valuable when, you know, things are breaking down and you just got a guy that can go get you a good look. And then, Rowan's just very cerebral. He's kind of um, – he can post up. He can shoot the three. He's got a good mid-range. He's just really skilled, very smart. He, he's not super athletic, but he seems to always get to his spots. And, uh, again, the thing about those guys are just – they love basketball. You know, if I could coach a team full of gym rats, that would be my <laughs> ideal setting. Probably every coach would say that. Um, but just those guys are, you know, in the gym a lot. Um, you know, they're, they're taking ownership of their own development as much as, as we are with them. And so we're, you know, we're, we're blessed that, you know, in some ways, you know, we've got a lot of options, you know, when the play breaks down or if the ball's moving, we can be a little less structured just because we have some, some guys on the floor that if we just play in space and with some freedom, you know, know how to make plays and knock down shots and, you know, you know, we're trying to put them in good spots for that to happen, but some of that just happens organically just because of their talent and their abilities. 
Yeah, and you've got you've got two newcomers on your team as well, guys who are starting to play more minutes. Uh, Kiran Jones and Aaron Gonzalez. Uh, they're starting to develop. Their numbers are getting better as you look at uh, their production going in towards uh, the end of 2022. Like, wh- where's what's their development been like throughout the year so far? Yeah, Aaron's come in as a freshman, and you know when we recruited him, knowing our whole team was coming back, it was. You know, we're just pretty honest with kids. This is what it looks like. And, uh, you know, if you're good enough, you're going to play. And with some of the injuries we had early on and then some of the injuries we've had recently, you know, he's been a guy that we, you know, were forced to depend on and then he performed. And he's just kind of a guy that's, you know, we think is one of those really good program guys that's only going to get better. Um, You know, just you can see it almost daily, just his progress and, when he gets more confident and uh, just defensively, you know, all the adjustments that freshmen have to make going to the college game. And then with KJ, um, you know, he's a guy, he's, he redshirted his first year, then COVID gave him his freshman year back. So he's kind of a, an anomaly as a third year freshman. Uh, (laughs) And he's, he's just a great program guy. He, uh, you know, he's valuable in practice. You know, there's been some times where we've been undermanned and we've had to start him or play him more minutes. And he's just one of those guys that you, if you need him, you can depend on him. He's all in for the team. He's all in for his teammates. He, uh, It's rare to me to see a kid in today's world or really just even back when I was playing, just to be that unselfish and that free from any ego to where he truly wants what's best for the team. Uh, he's a pre-med major. Um, he's he's a high-level individual, very intelligent, already has his life planned out. <laughs> and so, you know, basketball is just kind of a tool that he's using to get to the next stage of his life. So that's, that's cool to see as well. And, uh, you know, with Aaron, and we mentioned, is, you know, is one of those young men that I think, you know, as we lose Lloyd Parker – and uh, Zach, who I mentioned earlier, I think he's a guy that's going to be a great, you know, guy that we're going to be dependent on more and more through the years. And Zach Stepp is a unique guy, too. He's had six years in our program. He redshirted a year and then got his COVID year. And, uh, you know, when I asked him if he wanted to play, his dad said, well, if he can play till he's 30, he'll be playing. So. <laughs> and he's a guy that this is the most minutes he's gotten this year. And, uh, you know, he's just uh, – Fortunately, I'm gl- I'm happy for him because when he's gotten the opportunity, he's taken advantage of it. He's made some big shots and big plays for us. He's an outstanding shooter. I think he's 56% or something from three, which is, you know, we need to probably be finding ways to get him more shots. But he's another kid that's – as I grew up, you know, coached high school, he would come to my high school camps when he was a little guy. <laughs> and then uh, now that I'm coaching here and – um you know, was able to get him on our team. It's it's a pretty cool story. A, a guy, his dad played uh, junior college when I was playing back in the day. So uh, we have a, several kids on our team that our relationships go way back. Even Lloyd's dad and I played a long time ago in the Global Basketball Association. So you just, uh, you know, around this game long enough, it's it's kind of cool how some of these relationships come full circle. And I want to branch off here, Coach, into something you mentioned about Aaron and his transition to uh, to Division Two, to being a freshman at a high-level Division II uh, men's basketball program. I want to talk recruiting for a minute. First, talk about that transition that any freshman goes through, because I've seen it when I was at Lincoln Memorial. But talk for a little bit about that transition that any freshman goes through when they they're the best player probably on their high school team, they walk in thinking division two might be something. And then it's not, what's that transition like, you know, for a guy at Lubbock Christian. Yeah. It's, it's probably just like what you saw there at Lincoln is uh, you try to prepare them, but you don't really, you kind of know what's coming, but you don't want to, <laughs> you know, predetermine that for them. You want to give them that chance to, to prove you wrong or, you know, not to come in thinking that you've already decided where they're going to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you, I just tell them like, you're going to come in and you're going to struggle. You're probably going to have some failure and really how you handle that will probably determine the course of your career. Um, you know, we use examples with, 
you know, on your team in high school, if there was a really good freshman, you know, he probably played some, but that meant your team wasn't very good or that freshman was just special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're coming into a good team with a lot of returners. So your your role might be a little subdued this year, but you're going to go against high-level guys every day in practice. So you're going to have your opportunity two hours a day to prove to prove it. And even if your minutes on the court don't reflect how good you're doing, there'll come a time when, when they will. And these opportunities to get better aren't going to be here forever with guys like Lloyd Parker, et cetera. So every day go out and compete against these guys. Then when you get in the game and you're going against an opponent, you should have some confidence and a feeling of being prepared because of who you've played it, you know, gone against day in, day out in practice. But there is that time because, you know, there's that enthusiasm. Like you said, they may in their mind have thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to Duke or Carolina. I'm going to love a Christian or Lincoln Memorial or St. Edwards or wherever, you know, I'm going there because, you know, I'll be a star. And they come in and, you know, they're a role player. If, if it, at best, maybe sometimes at the beginning. And we're one of the rare schools that, you know, we'll recruit freshmen, we'll play them. We've had mm-hmm. a couple of freshmen of the year in our, you know, on our in our program. Um, but by and large, you know, if you're going against a guy who's been in college basketball at the JUCO Division One or transferred or been at D2 four or five years, he's a grown man. And it just takes time. And uh, do these kids have the maturity? Do they have the support system back home that's going to, you know, tell them, hey, this is a process, you know, let's uh, – you're going to be a lot better player your fourth or fifth year than you are your first year. You know, you're not going to regret it. And, you know, we looked at teams like Colorado School of Mines that was having, has had so much success, and a lot of their kids are redshirted. You know, Gonzaga for mm-hmm. a while was playing a lot of guys. The portals changed some of that where you just go get a ready-made player. But, you know, we've, we've kind of been, you know, a little idealistic in that we would love to just get freshmen, develop them, and, and have them with us four years. I don't know if that's realistic anymore. That's, that's what we like just because that's what I love about coaching is those relationships. Mm-hmm. I love to see guys come in and, and get better. And I, I enjoy that process, but um, you know, that's, that's what we're preaching and that's why we're, what we're encouraging these guys. And, you know, when you're in the midst of it, you know, it can be some, some long days when, even if your team's doing well, you know, every kid wants to, to be on the court and they want to be contributing to the team's success. So it takes a really mature kid to accept his role and, and uh, be patient for the opportunity that, you know, he hopes and you hope will, will come one day. Yeah. And, and staying on recruiting, Rowan McKenzie is from Australia, right? Did you recruit him from Australia? We did. He, uh, we had a relationship with uh, a former player who had played over there. And uh, knew him. And then when I connected with his coach over there, he was a former Division II coach and player and uh, knew our level, knew the Lone Star. And uh, some, and obviously our former player knew. So, you know, it was just like anything, you know, just these random connections here and there. And that was the, you know, it's a little bit of a risk sometimes when you're doing that, just, the unknown, but we, we felt like, uh, you know, with the people and the resources and what we had seen of him, that it was a pretty safe bet and just the type kid he was and how much he loved basketball. Um, and he hasn't disappointed. He's, he's one of the most well-loved kids on this campus. He's, he's so easy to coach, so fun to be around and he just absolutely works as hard as he can every time he's out here. So, you know, you know how it is in recruiting, um, you know, you're 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 hopeful that everything turns out, and in this situation, um, we can say that it has, and we're excited to see him having his success. And sometimes he gets overlooked by Parker and and Lloyd, and obviously Amir's come on the scene as well. So, but he's he's to me that steady piece of the puzzle that we were. You know, he's had some huge games for us on both ends of the floor that have really been difference makers for us. We've talked about individual players we've thought about recruiting but your team overall when i'm when i'm looking at your team you've been at the top of the country in offensive efficiency the last two years but this year staying you know staying overall team uh statistics 
On the other side of the basketball, you're allowing just 61 points per game. You're leading the Lone Star Conference in overall defense. You're limiting your opponents to 30% shooting from behind the arc. So what are you doing defensively, or what is this team's makeup defensively that, that's allowed you to be so successful this year? Yeah, that's a good point. Coming off our game yesterday, it doesn't feel like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, that that's something we, you know, we didn't do great yesterday. But, uh, you know – Jason Imes has been with me for all 11 years and he came from coach Knight at Texas Tech and I truly mean he's he's the best in basketball at just a scouting report having our team prepared um we spend a ton of time watching tape we spend a ton of time going over player tendencies and so and in some ways we um just customize each game plan for you know, we have certain things that we, you know, typically try to do on certain actions, but sometimes we're, you know, we're willing to say, you know, we might be doing this on the ball screen now, let's let's change to this. So we're not afraid to to give something a try if we, you know, think it might be better than what we've been doing. Um, and then I just think a lot of it is going back to us making an emphasis of, you know, we're we're big on let's protect the paint, let's contest, but you know, I think, you know, when the ball's getting in the paint, usually bad things are happening on the defensive end. So, you know, starts with containment, good help. You know, with a lot of teams putting an emphasis on the three, you know, sometimes you're having to pick your poison on that. And you can't take away everything. But, you know, if we can eliminate easy looks at the rim, we feel like that's probably gives us the best chance to be successful. And then we always say our defense starts with the shot that we get on the other end. I feel like our shot selection – leads to good transition defense. Um, one of the things we really emphasize is not turning the ball over. So if a team's not getting out in live ball transition, then maybe they're having to go against five guys. You can, you know, hopefully eliminate, you know, a large portion of their offense. And so we've had success more than others at times. And, uh, you know, it's something we're always preaching. It's a key to every game is, you know, the first key on the defensive side of the the ledger is let's get a good shot, um, value the ball, make sure we're getting our shot, and and those things tend to to lead to the defensive end. And then the blocking out, I think, you know, it's it's nothing I think that we're doing that's would be uh, mind blowing at all. It's just <laughs> kind of the simple fundamentals: contain, contest, put a body, play without fouling, don't don't let them get to the foul line. You know, I think the rim and free throws are the two highest points per possession shot. So um, just barely maybe above the three. So, you know, and make all the threes contested. If a team hits, you know, 15 threes on us, that's 45 points. You know, that's probably not enough to beat us. But if they're if they're getting downhill, getting at the basket and lining up shots, then, you know, we're in for a long night probably. <laughs> and so containing the ball is the hardest thing to do. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Guarding the ball one-on-one is, is probably the hardest thing uh, sure. hardest thing to do in basketball. I mean, and it yeah. sets the tone for your entire defensive possession. That first, you know, that 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 ball coming uh, up the court. So, uh, I love I love that contain, contest, and rebound. Really simple formula in the half court. You also mentioned taking care of the basketball and and that first shot or a live ball turnover leading into you know the 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 opponent's uh, fast break or their transition offense been trying to tell my guys that all year long but uh but you yep. lead the league in assist to turnover ratio six of your top seven have a positive assist to turnover ratio as a team you're two to one you know what are you emphasizing offensively besides taking care of it what are some of your emphasis offensively because you guys do a great job of sharing the basketball and getting good shots well we we kind of play an old school conventional like a motion offense um you know, that, that can mean a lot of things, uh, you know, with uh, growing up in Lubbock, playing for a coach, and then Coach Knight being here, my, you know, Jason Imes, my assistant being with Coach Knight all those years. We just, you know, just move the ball. Let's uh, read the defense. Um, you know, I, what I love about it, and, you know, we call it motion sickness from time to time, but, uh, you know, when the ball sticks or guys aren't moving mm -hmm. or they're not reading – you know, then, you know, we have some things that we'll go to to kind of kickstart it. But I just think teaching guys how to – what a good shot is and then giving them the freedom, you know, if you this is your shot, you know, which 
ultimately becomes our shot. So if you're, you know, if you find yourself and, you know, we've moved the ball or we've, you know, pierced the pain or whatever the circumstances may be, then, you know, you have the freedom to take that shot. So there's freedom within it. We just want to have some boundaries and some guardrails up that, you know, we're not – because a lot of times a bad shot can be as bad as a turnover. It's just – doesn't go on the stat sheet as such it's we just call them shooting turnovers and so we really evaluate you know this might look like a good shot but now we got to account for time and score um Mm -hmm. you know foul trouble you know there's so many very things that go into each possession and just understanding you know why is this a good shot now why was that not earlier and you know players will sometimes like okay you you wanted me to take that but last time you didn't and just trying to teach them in that. We play a lot in our practice, a lot of two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, um, just so they're having to make decisions, teaching them how to read screens. And, uh, you know, I th- I think that's one thing that throughout the year you can, ten- you can continue to get better at. Whereas, you know, if you have a lot of sets, you know, you, you still got to execute those things. Um, but through scouting, you know, teams can try to take away tendencies. And I think in motion – Sometimes it's a little harder to predict because, you know, we're in theory supposed to be reading what the defense does. And, uh, you know, if you read it right, then whatever they, you know, do is potentially wrong. But um, (laughs) there's a lot, you know, it's not a perfect world for sure. But I think there's freedom within it. And, you know, it's it's definitely has room for improvement. But that's something that we're emphasizing, just the shot selection. Let's make sure the ball touches the paint. You know, when we stat uh, our games and we're at halftime discussing it, one of the things we're always talking about is paint touches. And, I mean, it's it's almost 100% of the time when the ball's touching the paint, your, your points per possession are way higher than when it's not. And so it's just, you know, it's not always easy to get it there. I mean, the defense has something to say about it, but are you cutting? Are we posting? Are we, are we driving it? Are we on balance? when we get in there. So we're, you know, we're, we're able to make good decisions, you know, as the floor collapses and, you know, as the bodies, you know, converge on you, can you find and make the right play? And uh, those are the things that we, you know, tend to emphasize as much as anything on the offensive end. Yeah. And coach, this has been tremendous. A little mini coaching clinic here at the, uh, here at the end of the podcast, as we wrap up, I want to, want to respect your time and make sure that we get you out of here as it's a busy time of year. You're approaching a big week with your team. So, you know, two more questions. First, in, in regards to Lubbock, you've mentioned quite a bit. You're from the area. I went to high school nearby. You've mentioned the relationships you have with Texas Tech and, and their coaching staff and Coach Knight's coaching staff. Um, what does it mean to you to lead Lubbock Christian and represent a community that you're so close to? Well, I just take great um, pride's probably not the best word to use, but just, you know, this program has been around for a long time. And, you know, anytime you can do something that's never been done, uh, you know, you can take some satisfaction. Um, when we got here, there was, you know, a lot of people that, that have been a part of this program have sacrificed so that, you know, we can have the the opportunities that we have. So we, you know, just try to be a good steward of that. Um you know, you're always trying to – Don Meyer said this a long time ago when I was at a coaching clinic, just make the big time where you are. And, you know, for different reasons in our lives, we end up in, in certain places. So the coach before me was here 31 years. Um, so, you know, there's there have been a lot of coaches, you know, opportunities for this job to open up. So for me to, to get this opportunity coming out of high school, you know, I recognized how fortunate I was that I could, you know – get a college job and, and not have to move from my house is very rare and very <laughs> unique. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ambitious and I'm definitely competitive and, you know, I want to try to win at the highest level, but I'm, I'm also grateful that I can be a place where, you know, faith is a part of our mission, you know, where we can emphasize to these guys some things that are bigger than basketball, but use basketball as the tool and the vehicle to accomplish that. And, uh, you know, but we, we really try not to dilute any of it, you know, we're not just, but we're still trying 
and you know basketball at a high level too and uh you know for those things to coexist can sometimes be a challenge but um you know we're around good people that support us and and want the best for us and really give us a lot of freedom to to lead our program and and make it the best it can be and obviously the more success you have the the more enthusiasm and and things like that come for your program so i think the winning begets some of that and I think if they see that you're trying to recruit good kids and good people and, you know, that are easy to cheer for, then, you know, we're all competing for, uh, for eyeballs on, you know, with yeah. just, you know, college basketball in general, I think at this level, you know, obviously down the street at Texas tech, just an incredible, <laughs> you know, program and atmosphere that they have. And, yeah, you know, just uh, to see our student body start to embrace our team. And the other day we had a, for lack of a better word, like a garage sale, we had like 10 years of old uniforms, practice gear, and a lot of that stuff is worn one year or so. And we sold everything for $5. And I mean, our student body bought everything out in a matter of minutes. That's awesome. And they all, yeah, and they all wear games. Um, We've started to you know, get a little baseline bum action like the old Spurs used to have. Those kids (laughs) are just down there you know, it's an advantage, you know, when yeah. you can, we have a great arena, it's perfect. It's beautiful. Level. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're looking to pack it as much as we can. And, and yet, you know, I think, uh, if, you know, it, you want it packed every time you step out there, but you just got to realize, you know, we just got to continue to build. We got to continue to work to, and you know, when these people do come, we got to play as hard as we can and, and, put good basketball out there you know and people want to see good basketball so it's it's neat to see the the people that are are starting to follow us and support us i think uh you know just through the years it's continued to increase and and uh become more established so hopefully we can continue to build on that and it'll be something that just grows and grows yeah, that's that's terrific coach lovey christian certainly a special place that community is special to you and your family And so I want to acknowledge you for your service to the game of basketball, both as a high school coach and uh, head coach now at Lubbock Christian. A lot of student athletes, I'm sure, are grateful uh, for your impact and influence. And and we are grateful here, uh, the team at Small College Basketball. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know it's a busy time of year. So I want to get you out of here on one final question. Uh, Head coach at Lubbock Christian University, uh, Coach Duncan, you know, when you when you look back on what you've done at Lubbock Christian at the small college basketball level, what does small college basketball, what does it mean to you? Yeah, that's a good question. And thank you for having me on. I'm honored to I'm really honored that and humbled that you would ask me to to be on here with you. Um I'm I'm a guy who just never had any margin for error when I played. I always just had to be the first guy there, the last to leave. I just love basketball. And I never, you know, I never got into coaching for what it could do for me. I always, you know, I guess selfishly I was getting to be around the game and getting to go to the gym every day, which isn't a bad way to work. But what I wanted to do was just uh, be around people that, you know, love basketball like I did. And as a player, I had so many people invest in me that now as a coach, you know, it's cliche a bit but just to give back to you know I wouldn't be where I am and have the opportunities I have now if if I didn't have coaches and teammates and and just so many different people other coaches at other programs or just that mentored me and invested in me I wouldn't have the privilege that I have today and I think a lot of people that are involved in small college are very similar to me Um, they're they're doing it because they love basketball. They're doing it because they love kids. They're doing it because they love to compete. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's in the, it's out of the limelight and there's not a lot of fanfare. And so uh, you're truly doing it for the love of the game. And, uh, you know, I think the game honors that. I just – I think uh, we want to play, quote, unquote, the right way, you know, for whatever that means to, <laughs> to different people. You know, that's kind of broad that – you know, just respect the game, respect your opponents. Um, that's what we talk about when we go to play. You know, we're going to respect everybody we play. We're going to understand it's a privilege to get to step out here and compete. And 
this very few people get to put on a uniform and, and play at the next level after high school. So if you're one of those few people, you're in the rare air and we'd all love to make a million dollars a year doing this. Um, but just, you know, when we look at compared to the rest of society, we're very blessed and, and, uh, what we get to do, um, you know, on a daily basis and the competitive juices are getting, are able to flow and the challenges are always ahead of you. So, you know, if we can impact kids, play some basketball and, and, uh, uplift the community at the same time, then, you know, I think that's a, a worthy investment of our time and energy. Awesome stuff, coach. Well, well, thank you so much, coach Duncan. We are, uh, we're all thrilled to have had you. We really, really appreciate your time. And with that, your time on the hot seat with the Small College Basketball Podcast has ended. Thank you again so much for joining us. And we will be keeping tabs on Lubbock Christian going forward. Thank you, Chris. Enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this week's Small College Basketball Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe for weekly episodes and interviews devoted to the incredible programs, players, coaches, and history of small college basketball. Please leave a review if you enjoyed listening to this episode and use the links attached to this episode to share the Small College Basketball Podcast. The Small College Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. You can follow the Small College Basketball Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Please visit our website, www.smallcollegebasketball.com.